Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month by just going to patreon.greatdetectives.net. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. You can support the show on a one-time basis by sending a donation with the Zelle app to box13 at greatdetectives.net, and you can also become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month at patreon.greatdetectives.net. And I want to go ahead and thank our latest Patreon supporters. Thank you so much to James supporting the program at the Seamus level of $4 or more per month. And I want to thank Jeff supporting the program at the rookie level of $2 or more per month. Again, thank you so much for your support. Now it's time for this week's episode of Dangerous Assignment. The original air date, June the 19th, 1951, and the title is Suspicious Explosions. Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. Danger is my assignment. I get sent to a lot of places I can't even pronounce. They all spell the same thing, though. Trouble. But when I walk into the commissioner's office, I don't realize that this assignment's going to wind up with me in a spot where, if I play my cards just right, only one guy will get killed. Me. Morning, Commissioner. See, welcome back. Your vacation lasts long enough? Do they ever. Well, your plane leaves for Japan in one hour. Brother, you just don't waste a minute. Japan? (laughs) Last time I was there, as I remember, I was shot at, stabbed, and beaten up in that order. Well, cheer up, Steve. If you're lucky, this time you'll only get blown up. Oh, you're a real clown this morning. Unfortunately, I'm not kidding. Well, in that case, I better go out and not come back in again. Ah, Steve, there's no time for foolishness. What's the deal? Just what I told you a moment ago. You mean getting blown up? Exactly. Steve, as you know, negotiations for a just peace treaty with Japan have dragged on for a long time now. What's holding them up? Two different groups who are diametrically opposed to each other. One of them is the same set of interests which seem to be bucking us all over the world. But the other is a small but rabid nationalist sect, actually an organization of fanatics. And we're right in the middle, huh? Fine. But I still don't see what this has got to do with getting blown up. Steve, during the last week, three explosions have taken place in Tokyo. Each time a man was killed, and each time that man was connected in some way with the negotiations. What? That's right. It looks very much like somebody has chosen a very effective method of sabotaging the negotiations. Uh, Have we any idea which outfit is behind the explosion? That's what you're going over there to find out. And as of right now, you're racing the clock, Steve. How so? In just three days, we're playing our trump card at the final conference in Tokyo. We're going to produce a surprise visitor. Oh? The very presence of this man in that area will, we hope, go a long way toward restoring the situation and paving the way for a lasting peace in the Orient. Sounds like a pretty important guy. He is indeed, and for that reason, his trip to Tokyo and present there 
must be kept in absolute secret until the time of his surprise appearance at the conference. I see. Who is he, Commissioner? His code name for the mission is Mr. Big. As for his real name, here it is on this piece of paper. It's been classified for sight only. Take a look. Hey. Yes. Now you see why it's vital we find out who's responsible for those bombings and stop them in a hurry. Get over to Tokyo, Steve, and go to work on it fast. Well, that's it. You've got your assignment. Good luck. The National Broadcasting Company is presenting Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy in the role of Steve Mitchell, colorful, two-fisted government agent. At all those places of the world where danger and intrigue walk hand in hand, there you will find Steve Mitchell on another Dangerous Assignment. Well, I've been handed some rough ones in my time, but never one like this. Fly to Tokyo and find out who's blowing up people. Stop them before our Mr. Big arrives on the scene and incidentally try to keep likewise from happening to me. It's Wednesday when my plane lands in Tokyo and I head for Army Intelligence and Major Ferguson. Well, looks like we've got a real deal on our hands, Mitchell. Yeah. As I understand it, Major, the explosion seemed to be intended for people who have some connection with the treaty negotiations. That's right. But unfortunately, the explosions have killed a lot of other people, too. Whatever they're using, it's plenty powerful. You think they're time bombs? Oh, definitely not. How can you be sure? Well, at the start, we figured they were. But after we switched the times of a couple of meetings at the last moment and the explosion still took place, why, then we knew better. Mm-hmm. How about the possibility of there being contact bombs? You mean booby traps? Yeah. Well, I don't see how they could be that either. We've also switched the location of meetings at the last minute. That hasn't done any good. I see. You ever considered the possibility that these might be remote-controlled explosions, Ferguson? Yes, yes, I have, Mitchell. I know it sounds a little fantastic, but it is a possibility. If that's what we're up against, though, boy, we're really in trouble. Oh, excuse me. Major Ferguson. What? Where? I see. Okay. Trouble? I'll say another explosion. Come on. Ten minutes later, Ferguson and I arrived at the scene. It's a government office building. The explosion apparently took place in an elevator on its way up. Ferguson questions the building guard, and I nose around a little. When he's through, we get together and compare notes. Three people in the elevator at the time, Mitchell. Not much left of any of them. Who were they? Well, a diplomat named Saguchi. He was apparently the target. The other two were a switchboard operator and a messenger who was on his way to an office on the third floor. I see. Well, that sure knocks this time bomb theory. Yeah. How do you know what instant your target's going to be in an elevator? That's right. There's no way the bomb could have been dropped from the top of the elevator shaft either. I checked on the roof. There's a radar installation up there, heavily guarded. There's another thing. The guard told me the entire building had been searched only yesterday, so I don't see how the explosive could have been hidden anywhere around. Wait a minute. What? I just thought of something. We've established that the bomb couldn't have been dropped from the top of the elevator shaft, but that still leaves the doors on the various floors. You think somebody could have shoved the bomb into the shaft from one of the doors? I don't know. That's what I'm going to try and find out right now. I'll check with you later. Ah, No soap. 
Find out anything, Mitchell? Uh, just that it's impossible to open any of these doors into the shaft while the elevator is in motion, uh-huh. so there goes another lead out the window. Well, cheer up. Maybe one just flew in. What do you mean? Remember I told you there were three passengers in the elevator at the time of the explosion? That's right. Sagachi, a switchboard operator, and a messenger. So what? Well, the guard at the entrance told me that the messenger signed in to go to an office on the third floor. As a matter of routine, I checked the third floor office. They told me they'd never sent for a messenger. What? Huh? That's right. Was this messenger from a regular messenger service? Seemed to be. He was wearing one of their uniforms. Let's call the messenger service and check up, huh? That's my thought, too. Yeah, there's a phone in here, I think. Go ahead. Okay. Got their number? Yeah. You know something? I hope they did send the messenger over here. So do I. Oh, uh, hello. This is Major Ferguson, Army Intelligence. Did you send a messenger to a third-floor office of the Ogaya building during the last hour? My, are you sure of that? Oh, yes, very sure. Uh, okay, thanks. They didn't send him, huh? No, they didn't send him. Well, that's just dandy. Yeah, so that explains how the bomb got into the elevator. A phony messenger carried it in. You know what that means? Sure, I know what it means. One of two things. Either the bomb went off ahead of schedule... Or else it went off right on schedule. Yeah. If so, Ferguson, it means we're up against a pretty highly organized bunch of kamikaze boys. Uh-huh. That's the one thing we didn't figure, Mitchell. Human bombs. I walk to the window and stand there looking out over Tokyo. Pretty soon, Major Ferguson comes up beside me. There's a lot of people down there, Mitchell. Yeah, how many? About five million, I guess. And we're supposed to reach out into that five million and put our finger on a few gents who are walking around with dynamite up their sleeves. A real breeze, huh? Yeah. Judging from their past record, they're a pretty highly organized outfit. Well, I don't doubt that. The worst part of it is we've got to smash them right now before anything happens to Mr. Big. He's scheduled to arrive this evening, isn't he? That's right. Oh, uh, were you a little surprised to see who Mr. Big is, Mitchell? Yeah. So was I. I didn't think they'd go up that high. But that's what's going to put the pressure on us in this deal, the time element. Wait a minute. We don't have any leads at all on this outfit, do we? We sure don't. And instead of going out looking for them, why don't we let them come looking for us? How? Are there any more meetings or conference scheduled for the near future? Yes, there's one of them for this afternoon, as a matter of fact. But with the circumstances what they are, maybe we'd better recommend they cancel it. No, let's not. But if we... Oh, I think I get it. We let the word out the conference will be held as scheduled, huh? That's right. Only we'll tip off the principals not to show up. Instead, you and I will be waiting in the vicinity. That's a good idea. Only one thing wrong with it. Yeah, if it works, we may wind up heroes, dead ones. Looks like our idea wasn't so hot, Steve. Meeting was scheduled for that building across the street. We've been watching the entrance for an hour now. Yeah, there's no chance anybody could slip in any of the other entrances, is there? No, they're all locked up tight. You think these buzz bomb boys would have found out we tipped off the delegates to this meeting not to show up? Well, I don't see how. We tipped them off personally, so far as anybody else knows, the delegates should be arriving any minute now. Hold it. What is it? Looks like somebody else is arriving. And that little guy coming along the sidewalk this side of the street? Yeah. Look at him. Pretty fidgety. Yeah, he's trying to look in every direction at once. Stopped. Look, he's staring at the entrance of the building. Let's close in real easy. Right. Think he's our boy? I don't know. Look at the way he's sweating, will you? I'd sweat too if I was about to blow myself up. Keeps making false starts across the street. 
Probably trying to get up nerve. Mm-hmm. I thought these bonsai boys never hesitated. Yeah, so did I. But when we grab them, grab them easy. Don't worry. I've got no desire to go up in smoke. This one... Look! Yeah. He sees us. Starting to run. Come on. You ducked into that alley? Yeah, after him. Come on, we're gaining on him. I got him. Please, please don't let go. Pull his coat back first. All right, come on. Oh, brother, will you look at that? Yeah. Dynamite strapped all around him. Steve, keep his arm steady. He's got a wire leading to one hand. Yeah, yeah, I see it. Breathe, let go. Please. Look, Buster. One move out of you and this hammerlock's going to cost you an arm. Breathe. Just stand real still. He's, he's all right. Okay, I've got the wire now, Steve. I don't think he can pull the trigger on us. Wow. How fair of them. Better to be dead. How fair of them. Well, what do you know? Lost his nerve, I guess. Lucky for us. Okay. Look, bomb boy. Who's backing this operation? Who's your boss? How fair them. I said, who's your boss? Not know. Now, look. Please. Osaki, tell the truth. Not know who Rita is. Meet at night, dark room. Please, you must protect me. Yeah. You'd better spill a lot more before you start talking about protection. But the only thing I know is the name of one other like myself. Come on, let's have it. Name, Tashimoto. Is only other one I know. How about his address? Yes, yes, give that to you. Tashimoto has been assigned mission for today. We'll be leaving his home soon to go to place where he pick up explosives. Okay, we'd better not lose any time. Please, you must protect me. They kill me because I have feared them. Don't worry, we'll keep you on ice. We don't want the law to be cheated. Well, Mitchell, looks like we've got a lead anyway. Tashimoto. Yeah, look, some of the other bonsai boys may have seen us grab Osaki just now. Yeah, in that case, we'd better give him a few wrong ideas before we go after Tashimoto. Just what I was thinking. We'll take Osaki back to headquarters, and then you take off fast in the wrong direction like you're on a hot lead. Right. I'll give you a few minutes start, and then I'll head in the other direction to Tashimoto's address, see if I can tail him to their headquarters. We go back to headquarters, and Ferguson takes off. I wait a while, and then head for Tashimoto's house. I stay across the street under cover, and about 20 minutes later, out comes Tashimoto. I recognize him from the description Osaki had given us. A neat-looking little gent with thick glasses, straw hat, bow tie, and a cane. He walks to the corner and climbs on a streetcar. I get on after him. Streetcar's loaded with kids. Tashimoto finds a seat near the front of the car, and I slip onto one across the aisle and a few seats down. Next to me sits a plump little character with a big grin. Oh, so you American. Huh? Oh, yeah. You fan. What? You fan. Fan? Oh, yes. A strike three out... <laughs> a baseball fan, yeah, yeah, oh, yes. sure. You go to Borgen? No. Hey, wait, is that where all these kids are heading? Oh, yes, to Bar Park. Most regret, I cannot do same. Got to work? No, got wife. Oh. <laughs> please, please tell me answer to big question in my life. Has bothered me for a long time. Look, I'm no marriage counselor. Oh, no, 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 no. Qu- question is, uh, is Mickey Mantar red hot rookie like they say? The little gent talks on, reciting batting averages, but I'm not paying much attention to him. My eyes are on the back of Tashimoto's neck, and I'm just hoping he's going to headquarters to pick up a load of explosives so we can find out where it is and round up the whole outfit before Mr. Big arrives in this neck of the woods. Finally, the little baseball fan gets off, and then I stiffen as the car starts up again. Tashimoto stands up, turns around, walks in my direction. He stops beside my seat. 
gives me a deep bow and a polite smile. Good afternoon, Mr. Mitchell. Well... Please, may I sit beside you? Hey, but... Thank you so much. I, as you know, am Tashimoto. Hey, wait a minute. How do you know my name? Oh, I have been expecting you, Mr. Mitchell. Expecting me? I don't get it. No? It is very simple. Osaki... Wait a minute. Osaki was just giving us a routine, and we fell for it right into the trap. He no doubt convinced you he had lost his nerve. Actually, he is of highest courage and self-sacrifice. He has yielded to me, the reader, the final glory. What are you talking about? You no doubt believe that I was on my way to pick up some explosives. Yeah. Actually, they are already on my person. Huh? Wait a minute. Oh, no. Please, to sit very still. Observe my hands. One of them holds a cane, but the other is resting on this little watch chain across my vest. That's the trigger? That is the trigger. One slight pull on this watch chain. And we both go up and smoke. And pity of it would be all happy children here in the streetcar. Children? Hey, look, Tasha Moto. And that, of course, is precisely why I selected the streetcar. Mr. Mitchell, it is not a very warm day, yet you perspire freely. Okay, let's quit playing cat and mouse. What happens now? First, I tell you what happens if you do not do exactly as I say. I pull on the watch chain. The streetcar and everyone in it is blown up. Okay, okay, I believe you. So you're calling the shots. And as saying goes, I have you completely in my power. No? Oh, get to the point, Tashimoto. What do you want me to do? Very simple, Mr. Mitchell. I want you to take me to meet a friend of yours. Friend of mine? Who do you mean? I believe you call him Mr. Big. And now back to Dangerous Assignment and Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell. There at Tashimoto. I don't think he's kidding. That's why I'm sweating. He just sits there with his cane in one hand and the watch chain in the other, giving me that polite smile. Mr. Mitchell, you look slightly pale. I'm so sorry to cause you discomfort. Yeah, I'll bet. Look, Tashimoto, you can't get away with this. Oh, but you misunderstand, Mr. Mitchell. I am not trying to get away with anything. What do you mean? I merely wish to be brought face to face with your Mr. Big. Then, sight pull on watch chain. And my mission accomplished. Glory is mine. Of all the weird... Please, Mr. Mitchell, let us keep our voices at polite level. Our conversation might prove very puzzling to some. Look, if you think I'm going to go along with your insane... I regret deeply to realize I have failed to convince you of my sincerity. Really well. I must admit failure and bring this to completion. I regret children's loss of life but not my own. I deserve it. So, little pull on watch chain and... Wait, hold it. Oh, so? You really aren't kidding, are you? You have reconsidered. Yeah. Yeah, I've reconsidered. Yeah, he sold me. Six others have blown themselves to bits... I stall for time while I figure out some way to jump Tashimoto without setting off the bomb. But whatever I do, I've got to do it before we get to Mr. Big. At the next stop, Tashimoto ushers me off and into a crowded cafe where he orders tea for both of us. 
I thought a cup of tea might restore your spirit somewhat, Mr. Mitchell. Thanks. In any event, we have certain amount of time to kill. If I may be excused for our expression. Time? Yes. Your Mr. Big should be landing at airport within next five minutes. From there, he will be driven to a certain building where he will be briefed upon latest developments in situation. After that, he will be taken to the depot. He will board a special train and... Well, you... you've managed to scrape together a fair amount of information. Thank you. Since of our small organization, I alone remain, it is necessary that every step of our final mission be carefully planned out. We will intercept Mr. Big at the building here in Tokyo before he goes to the depot. Uh, any idea how we're going to get into that building? It'll probably be swarming with guards. But, Mr. Mitchell, you have credentials. It is undoubtedly known to those in charge that you are connected with what is known as the Mr. Big operation. I am certain they will admit you. And, of course, I will accompany you. You make it sound real easy. It will be. But easy or difficult... It is no matter. Mitchell! Hey. Uh, yes, your friend from Army Intelligence. He's coming this way. So he is. I trust that your face will betray nothing and that you will get rid of him quickly. Oh. Imagination is a wonderful thing. Please, to use it. And remember, this is very crowded cafe, many people. You sure pick the places. I have judged you to be humanitarian. I've been looking all over town for you, Steve. Oh? Yeah. Oh, well, I didn't know you were with somebody. Huh? Oh, I'm not at... What? Well, this... Oh, this was the only vacant seat I could find when I came in. Oh, I see. Well, what kind of luck you have? Uh, you mean locating our friend? Yeah. None. I lost him in the crowds. Oh? Look, Ferguson, sooner or later he'll probably go back home. Why don't you go over there and wait for him? You mean take over? Yeah, he may have spotted me. Besides, I'm beat. Well, uh... I'll okay, Steve. See you later. Extremely well done, Mr. Mitchell. You are an accomplished actor. Oh, save the Oscar. I beg your pardon? Oh, skip it. What happens now? It is an eight-block walk to the building where Mr. Big will be temporarily quartered. Come. We should arrive just in time. We start a leisurely walk along the crowded street. Tashimoto just loves crowds. I'm wondering if Ferguson realized there was anything wrong. If so, he sure didn't tip it. Probably he didn't. I studied Tashimoto trying to find a weak spot, some way of catching him with his guard down, and then an idea hits me. He's got his right hand on the watch chain. The left hand's holding his cane. If I were to offer him something suddenly, he couldn't very well reach for it with a hand holding the cane. He might, just might, take his hand off the watch chain for a second before he realized it's worth a try. What is matter, Mitchell? Why do you stop suddenly? I just happen to think, do you like American cigarettes, Tashimoto? Certainly. Here, have some. What? Why, certainly. One moment, please. This cane, I will hang it over my right wrist. So now, cigarette, please. Oh, here, take the pack. Thank you. Shall we proceed? I must give you credit for a good try, Mr. Mitchell. Ah, thanks. Indeed, I find you... Most worthy opponents. I should be flattered, but a compliment doesn't mean much when it comes from a guy with a worm in his brain. Mr. Mitchell, you have a most sharp tongue. What's the matter, Tashimoto? It sort of bother you that I think you're nuts? Your opinion, inaccurate as it is, does not matter. There is a mission to be performed. Otherwise, I assure you, it will give me great pleasure to... Ah, 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 I, I, I see now. 
You want me lose my temper, lose control, and you almost succeed. But unfortunately, almost is not quite good enough. Huh? So, so, there is building. Okay, what now? Don't tell me we just barge in the front door. Exactly. You will show your credentials to the guard. Wait, come quickly. So, a black sedan slipping down the alley from side entrance. The merest glimpse of face. Mr. Big. Are you kidding? If they were taking Mr. Big anywhere in a car, they'd have guards swarming all over the place. Mr. Mitchell, I believe you are the one who, as you say, is kidding. One car alone attracts much less attention. And there were guards in car. So they are undoubtedly proceeding to depot, but ahead of schedule. Maybe your information was wrong. Or perhaps they moved the time up for security reason. No matter, however. They undoubtedly take roundabout route to depot to throw possible pursuers off trail. Come, we will beat them there in taxi cab. So, we wait here, Mr. Mitchell. From this point, we can observe all trains in the station. Look, Tashimoto... You are getting restless. Please remember how crowded this depot is. How many people you would kill if you forced me to pull this watch chain? Uh, ah. Ah, they are here. Come. Yes, yes, the party swiftly climbs aboard the red car. We will follow. You got any ideas about how we get aboard? You persist in being too modest, Mr. Mitchell. I'm quite certain you are known to Mr. Big's party. Upon proper presentation of credentials, we the will... The guard standing in front of the platform. Very well. You know what to do. That's close enough. We'd uh, like to get aboard this car. Yes, again. Nobody gets aboard this car. Your credentials. Uh, I, I'm Steve Mitchell. Here are my credentials. Oh, they're real pretty. But nobody gets aboard. Well, okay, if you say so. We must see Mr. Big. Who? Mr. Big. Never heard of him. Talk to me. I'm Mr. Little. Uh, the train pulling out. Sure is, Tashimoto. Come. What? Hurry, run. Where to? We get aboard one of our cars. Now look. Quick, quick, quick. No argument. Run. We jump aboard the train about three cars away from Mr. Big's private car. Tashimoto has me write a note asking permission to talk to Mr. Big. He makes me enclose my credentials. Then he has the conductor deliver it to Mr. Big's car. So, we not have much longer to wait, Mr. Mitchell. Conductor, be back any moment. Look, Tashimoto, that gag's not gonna work. If they wouldn't let us aboard the car in the first place, they sure won't let us walk in now. Here is answer to your message. Thank you, Conductor. I So, let us read. Ah, permission granted. What? Let me see that. But of course, read for yourself. Permission granted. Proceed to my car and show this to the guard. So, Mr. Mitchell, our long journey is almost at end. Shall we proceed? We start heading for Mr. Big's car, and I know it's now or never. We get to the platform between our car and the next. Over the top of the half door, I can see we're crossing a river on a trestle. If only I could get Tashimoto's hand away from that watch chain for a second. Then it hits me. A way to keep him from moving his hand. 
I stop suddenly. He stops and turns toward me. Then I grab him in a big bear hook. Let go of me. You can't pull that trigger now. You cannot hold me this way forever. It's so right. I'm slipping little by little. I know as soon as he can get a hand free, just an inch, it's curtains. I start working him toward the half door. I bend him over it. Then I give a big shove and we both fly out. Almost tears him loose from me, but I hang on and we both sink. I squeeze him harder, and the bubbles fanning my cheek tells me that I'm squeezing the air right out of him. I keep the pressure on and wait. My head starts to pound, my chest hurts, and then finally he goes limp. I haul him to the surface and throw him to the bank, and then I see the train has stopped on the trestle, and there's a guy running down the bank toward me. Major! Major! Huh? Oh, Major Ferguson. You okay? Well, I'm alive. Which is more than I thought I'd be a minute ago. I spotted Tashimoto with you in the tea room. What? Yeah, I recognized him from the description that Osaki had given. There's nothing I could do about it. I, I figured he was carrying a load of dynamite. He sure was. No, we had a sharpshooter covering him with a rifle when you started walking down the sidewalk. We decided it was too risky for a shot, so we moved up the departure schedule for Mr. Big. And when we got your note on the train, why, we knew you were still with us. Oh, why did you send us permission? Well, I was hiding in the car next to you. When you got that far, I was going to jump him. That uh, cane he was carrying, that was the trigger, wasn't it? The cane? No, no, it was the watch chain. Oh, great. Great, I was going to grab the cane. Oh. Oh, it's a good thing you took care of him before you opened the door into the next car. Oh, brother. Look, do me a favor, will you? Oh, sure. Get me something to wear quick. Oh, sure, some dry clothes. No, no. Huh? What do you mean? A nice, comfortable, straight jacket. Dangerous Assignment, starring Brian Donlevy as Steve Mitchell, with Herb Butterfield as the commissioner, is written by Bob Reif and Adrian Jondo, with music by Robert Armbruster, and is produced and directed by Bill Karn. Be with us again next week at this time, when Brian Donlevy, starring in the role of Steve Mitchell, will embark on another Dangerous Assignment. Dangerous Assignment came to you from Hollywood. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Welcome back. Well, this is definitely a tense episode with a lot of uh, suspense. I like the fact that they made it so that the Major guessed wrong as to which hand controlled the detonator. Because sometimes they make it so that the heroic thing that happened was entirely pointless. But this way, Steve's quick acting was actually essential. I did think that there were probably a couple of points where it would have been realistic for him to try something. When they were in the cab, it seems like Steve should have tried to disarm him when there were not so many potential casualties around. And then again, when the guy jumped on the train, I'm not certain why Steve followed him. 
I mean, on the train, all the guy could do, because he couldn't get to Mr. Big, he would have ended up just blowing himself up with minimal casualties. Of course, while that might be logic for a real-life secret agent, Stave is really looking for the perfect time to avoid any casualties whatsoever, including himself. Who did you imagine Mr. Big to be? Honestly, it's tough to imagine any real-life figure who would be that impressive to the Japanese such that it would bring a really smooth resolution to treaty talks. I mean, if you wanted to imagine someone fictional who could help bring understanding, it'd be someone like Dr. Christian from the uh, radio program. Of course, I think that because of my age, it is also kind of weird for the good guys to have their big asset operating under the code name Mr. Big. And I guess for folks who are a bit younger, the whole idea of having a character named Mr. Big is something you only hear or see in comedies. Every time they said Mr. Big, I had to just do my best not to flash back to uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle and get smart. Well, obviously, that's not their fault. But I don't think any... Top secret agency today would label an asset as Mr. Big for those sort of reasons. It helps you do your job if you're not chuckling too much. Now, I have poked fun at Dangerous Assignment being very non-specific. But here I have to credit them with dealing with a real-life issue. As there really were peace talks that were having challenges back and forth between the United States and Japan. A treaty would be signed in San Francisco in September of 1951. I don't believe anyone named Mr. Big was involved in this. And it would get ratified in the Senate in 52 and ratified by Japan, but there was a lot of domestic opposition from across the political spectrum. And a series of protests throughout the 50s led to a revised treaty more favorable to the Japanese being negotiated and in place in 1960, which continues to be in place until this day. Also, in a previous episode... I thought it was a little silly to have French people interested in American football, but the Japanese interest in baseball, absolutely realistic. The first uh, professional teams in Japan uh, were there in the 1920s, and I could totally see there being interest in the U.S. game. Of course, uh, Japan has continued to really excel in baseball, producing great players like Ichiro Suzuki, and of course, one of the most fascinating players of recent years, Shohei Otani, but that uh, interest in the game goes back quite a long time. And yes, 1951 was actually Mickey Mantle's rookie season. It would end with a trip to the World Series in which it modern research indicates that he tore his ACL and then played on it for the next 
17 seasons, which is kind of extraordinary given that Mantle won three MVPs and seven world championships. With that, though, we turn now to listener comments and feedback. And Richard, over on YouTube, comments on an episode of Philo Vance, the Sterling murder case. He liked the twist ending, and he also said, I love the sisters too, which, if you recall that episode of Philo Vance, there were the sisters with this very unique way of speaking, and they were really entertaining to listen to. And one thing I've kind of begun to wonder about with Philo Vance is whether there might be more Easter eggs in that series that a contemporary New York audience listening to it might have gotten that some of us in the 21st century may have missed. I think that most of the New York radio series are not as well documented, and the actors and their work not quite as well recognized. The Hollywood radio actors tend to be better recognized just because many of them also went on to work in film and on uh, primetime television, while a lot of the New York uh, radio actors were stage actors more than anything else. And their work would have been more familiar to those followed the New York stage. That was one thing I liked when we did Casey Crime Photographer, uh, Dr. Joe Webb's Blue Note Bulletin website, access to a lot of materials from the show and things uh, from Alonzo Dean Cole's journal. So they had an idea about these actors who'd been in Casey Crime Photographer and were able to cross-reference them with other information about uh, their careers on stage. Of course, the big deficiency with Philo Vance is that there's not a cast list. So I can't help but wonder if, like, the actresses who played the sisters... Uh, we're prominent in the stage, and we just don't have any record of it. But at any rate, thanks so much for the comment. Agree, that was a really solid episode for Philo Vance. And then over on Facebook, Mike writes, Love the show so much, it's always fun to hear old-time radio. Well, thank you so much, Mike. And now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And I want to go ahead and thank Sean. Sean has been one of our Patreon supporters since June of 2021, currently supporting the program at the Shamus level of $4 or more per month. Thank you so much for the support, Sean. And that will do it for today. If you are enjoying this podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. And be sure to rate and review the podcast wherever you download it from. We'll be back next Wednesday with another episode of Dangerous Assignment. But join us back here tomorrow for the return of Mr. Chameleon, where... I'll take that, Mr. Roberts. Hello? Hello, George. Oh, George, I just heard the dreadful news. The police called Donald Hilton and he called me. I I couldn't believe it. Are you all right? Is there anything I can do? Uh, Just a moment and I'll see. Who is calling, Mr. Roberts? Why, Lydia Clarkson, his secretary. But I thought you were George. I'm sorry to uh, disappoint you, but my name is Chameleon. The detective? Yes. Uh, Mr. Roberts, will you take this call... You can take it in the hall. It's your secretary, Miss Clarkson. Oh, oh, uh, Mrs. Clarkson. She's a widow. Is she hysterical? Slightly. Oh, well, I might as well talk to her. One of the most horrible features of a thing like this, Mr. Chameleon, is having to talk to your friend. Dave, who's Donald Hilton? 
Some sort of a partner in Robert's brokerage firm? Yeah, Mr. Chameleon. We've already checked on him. He's not exactly a partner, sort of a junior executive. Young? Mm, about 30. Mm-hmm. 15 years younger than George Roberts. Dave, I think we'll pay a visit to that office. Not only would I like to meet Mr. Hilton, but also that loyal secretary, Mrs. Clarkson, who calls her employer by his first... I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram. Instagram.com slash greatdetectives from Boise, Idaho. This is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.